Welcome to Girlfriends Pray Podcast. We are a prayer ministry for women, and our mission is to draw women closer to God through prayer. To learn more about Girlfriends Pray, go to our website, www.girlfriendspray.org. Follow us on social media at Girlfriends Pray and join us for prayer every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 712-775-7031, access code 943334-POUND. We invite you to connect, support, or become a partner of Girlfriends Pray. Remember, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. God bless you. Hi, um, good evening, ladies. Um, I'm going to be introducing Dr. Tina Scott. Um, As we wait for her to get on the line, um, Dr. Scott is an accomplished psychotherapist. She's a coach. She's a speaker. She's a trainer. She started her career in the healthcare industry where through hard work and determination and faith, she became a senior healthcare executive and um, really was consistent in implementing methods that promoted a culture of service excellence. Um, In addition to her many years of experience and her success as a senior healthcare executive, Dr. Tina also had a passion for helping people reach their full potential, and she took her um, passion for helping people and combined that with her excellence in as a healthcare executive, and she became an organizational psychologist uh, where she focused on um, human capital and, and retention. And Dr. Tina is a college professor. She's a certified professional coach. She's an approved clinical supervisor. She's a licensed professional counselor specializing in breakups, self-esteem, loss, divorce, and independent living. And we're truly excited and happy to have her here tonight to offer um, just her insight on how we can heal from um, the heartbreak of loss, whether it's the loss of a relationship, loss of a loved one, um, loss of a friendship. Um, And Dr. Tina, I believe you're on the line, so at any time you can come in. um, If you have further information you would like to share about yourself, and then we'll um, get started. Hi. Yes, um, you did a great job covering everything. On a day-to-day basis, I just help people um, get through this thing called life, the struggle that we all face and deal with all these different emotions that we keep bottled in or the emotions that we share with others. And then the topic is so on point when we get hurt and betrayal. So thank you so much. You covered it all. Okay, great, great. So um, do you do you want to um, – start with just talking a little bit about what um, what heartbreak is and um, what that could show up as in um, different situations? Most definitely. And I, I'm sure most people on this call and most people that are listening, they understand what a heartbreak is by just feeling it and experiencing it. And it's really pretty much in a nutshell that when we have a whole lot of feelings that are overwhelming us and we feel extremely sad Um, We're in a down place, and it's almost like what I say to my clients is is taking a a precious piece of glass, and it just drops in the middle of the floor. And a heartbreak is a clear example of that, that we just feel scattered all over the place, and we just feel overwhelmed. And a lot of times when we experience a heartbreak, we just don't feel loved, and we somewhat lose our value. And how how have you worked with people to um, reach regain their value and um, and take care of themselves after a, a breakup or a loss? We, you know, I think when one goes through a breakup, one goes through a loss, we start going through the stages of grief. But however, however we handle it, how however we manage it, it's, it's a – I always take us back to, like, our whole family of origin when you're talking about me treating my clients. Like, where did it begin – 
Because when we go through a heartache, a heartbreak, and we start feeling low about ourselves, that came from somewhere. The branch is just coming out in the relationship. But when I have clients that are experiencing those things, I challenge them to tell their story. Because too often when we go through something as detrimental as a heartbreak or um, something that will cause a grief, causes us to grieve, we tend to feel like we don't really have anyone to turn to, mainly because of shame may be associated with it, or we probably already shared a little bit of it and we didn't really seem like we had their interest to talk about it. And I just challenge people first, start talking about it, get it out, get those emotions out, don't suppress them in, because too often when we suppress how we feel because we think no one cares or we think that we're in a space that nobody else has been in, we try to handle it on our own and we suppress it, and I call that emotionally constipated. We become so emotionally constipated that we just don't feel like we can get it out and we wind up sitting sick by ourselves. So one of the things that I say to my clients and even my friends, allow yourself to throw that stuff out so you can heal. And I don't know if anybody on the call ever had to throw up, and I know that sounds nasty, but afterwards you feel so good because you got all that stuff that was aching you, all that stuff that was causing the grumbles to come out. And then when it comes out, you're able to process it. So you said something very interesting, um, and you said it's it's that um, those stages of grief. Can you describe or give a definition of what the various stages of grief that someone may go through, whether it's a loss of a relationship or a loss of a loved one, and um, so that we can understand how it might manifest? And you know what the beauty is when we talk about grief, right? A lot of times when we talk about grief, we think about just someone dying, but it's really talking about the loss of a loved one. And depending on who who or what you Google, there could be different stages of grief. But the number one, the first stage of grief is denial. I don't know how anyone else felt, but when they went through a, a grieving situation, the first thing is denial, denying that it happened, mainly because it's, it's like, did this, did this really happen to me when I went through a breakup? Did, is this happening to me or am I just making this up? So we kind of act as if it didn't happen, right? And I don't know if you've ever experienced grief, but when we experience it, um, the stages that we go through when we talk about denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, you don't follow them all in like a chronological order. Even though when you look at them, they're all like one, two, three, four, five, it depends on where you are because one minute we can say, oh, I'm denying it, and then the next thing you know, we're accepting and we kind of bounce back and forth. And oftentimes when we are going through the stages of grief, if we get stuck, we call it complicated. That means that we got stuck in one particular phase in the grieving process that we're unable to heal. And that's where therapy comes into place. Normally most of my clients that I see that's coming through the door, they're actually going through a complicated grief, meaning it's hard for them to go through the stages, whether it's in chronological order or if it's out of order and they need assistance. So I see many when they get to the bargaining space, meaning, God, if you would just take this pain away from me, I will go to church more, I'll pray more, or they'll say that they'll do something only to get or relieve the pain and attention that they're feeling at that current time. So when we grief, it's not just about the loss of a loved one. It's also about a loss of a relationship, a friendship um, that most of the time caught us off guard. So how would you say someone could work through the emotions of heartbreak and betrayal, the, the loss of a relationship? Um, for someone on the line right now that's probably trying to decide, like, what to do, what would you recommend? I would tell them, first, be authentic and true to themselves. Acknowledge that I'm hurting because most of the time the pain has hit when I lost someone, whether it was through death or I lost someone through a breakup. And also, hear this, you can have a friend that you and her or him and y'all two have been friends forever 
and then a misunderstanding or a disagreement happened, and now that friendship is no longer there, and it causes us to grieve. And one thing I would say is be authentic and true with how you feel. Don't feel that you can't say I'm hurting or or that this made me feel a certain kind of way. Be true to your feelings. Connect with your feelings. Sit with yourself and ask yourself, what about this separation? What about the end of this relationship, this breakup, or the loss of this individual that's really taken me on an emotional roller coaster? And the beauty and the thing that is really crucial is not just to ask the question, but sit back with yourself and wait for the answer. Too often when we're in a space like this, we sometimes look outside ourselves, right, when a lot of the solutions to move forward is within ourselves. But the thing is, we don't sit in our space enough. We don't sit in our space and trust ourselves that we can actually get through this. So I challenge you to really acknowledge your feelings, connect with your feelings. And when you do acknowledge and connect with your feelings, have a notebook with you. Have a book that you can actually write this stuff down because when you write stuff down in a journal, sometimes when you say journal, sometimes people don't want to commit to that. But in that space, allow yourself to write it down, whether it's on an index card, a notebook, so you can actually go back to the space of reflection. Because when you write stuff down, you're writing your innermost feeling, your feelings, not what somebody else is telling you to feel, not what someone else is expecting you to say, but what's going on inside of you and then going back to process it. And when you go back to processing it, allow yourself to be in a quiet space because when you're in a quiet space, it's allowing you to get in touch with your innermost feelings without distractions. And in my psychology world, we call it being mindful. To focus on the here and now, not my thoughts what's going to happen tomorrow, not my thoughts about what somebody is going to say, not my thoughts about being shamed or whatever it may be, because a lot of times it's negative feelings and emotions, but allowing yourself to sit in it so you can actually figure it out, right? And going through this process of a breakup, right, make sure you're loving yourself. Because too often what we do is we have this thing called cognitive distortions. Like if one thing happens in our life, we tend to act like it's our entire life and then that we're the cause, and we think of all the negative things that we possibly could have contribute. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes things happen, and it could be something that we did, right? Allow yourself to acknowledge some of the things that went wrong, and then allow yourself to be very solution-focused to what you can actually implement to help it get back on track. And just be honest, authentic, and real, And while you're being honest and authentic and real, connect with what you need at that time. If you need a hug, if you need to have support from your friends, don't be ashamed to ask for those different things. Lean on your friends. Celebrate your uniqueness because so often we celebrate the things that we feel are so not so good about ourselves, but each and every one of us has something that's unique. And just because we're unique and we have these uniqueness, Don't allow it to be looked at as something negative. Some relationships are not meant to be forever. However, how we process it and how we are, um, the messages that we send to ourselves is very important at this time. Okay. So that's good. So um, I just want to take a step back for um, anyone that has just joined us and just, um, you know, just give them a little bit of an overview of what we're talking about. So we have Dr. Tina Scott on the line. Um, She is a esteemed organizational psychologist, and she's here with us to just talk about um, how to work through the emotions of heartbreak and betrayal, whether it's the loss of a loved one, a loss of a friendship, a loss of a relationship. And she's just just going over the different strategies that um, we can take to um, to just overcome the the um, emotions that go along with um, heartbreak and loss. So she was just talking about some of the strategies that we can take to um, bring ourselves out of a place of um, just feeling emotionally disconnected. So um, um, Dr. Tina, when you when you talk about the different strategies, if if someone were to come to work 
to come in to meet with you and talk with you? Like, how would you start with, like, someone who's never been to therapy and they come in and they want to try to work through heartbreak? Like, what, what would you say to them? How would you get them started on just this whole process of self-care after a breakup? So here's the thing, right? And and I and I and I want to just say this because I don't want to be be misleading to anyone on this call. There is no cookie cutter solution to getting through your pain, right? But one thing I really want each and every person that's listening on this phone is that whatever you do, keep moving. And what I mean by that is that when we're going through pain, the first thing that many want to do is they want to lay on the couch, they want to lay in the bed. They wind up being overwhelmed with all their feelings of rejection, loneliness, and the list can go, go on. Through your rejection, through your loneliness, through your, your shame, I'm challenging you to keep moving. And one thing about movement is the law of physics is this. What's in motion stays in motion, right? So even when you don't feel like getting up, brushing your teeth, even when you don't feel like taking a shower, Keep moving. I remember a pastor I was preaching, actually it was Pastor Reed, when he was talking about a, a, a person that was going through the storm, and he and the, the young lady was driving in the car with her grandfather, and as they was driving, they kept seeing the rain, and the young girl kept asking her grandfather, Grandfather, what should I do? He said, keep on driving, right? They kept on driving. It got harder. The rain got harder. They couldn't see. And he said, she said, Grandpa, what should we do? He said, keep on driving. Eventually they were driving and the rain stopped, right? And I'm trying to minimize this story, but it's a longer version. The rain stopped, and the grandfather said to the child, now look behind you. When the child looked behind her, she saw that the rain and the thunderstorm was still going on. But her movement was the very thing that got her out of that storm. And I'm saying to anybody that's listening to me, I know what it's like from a personal experience as well as professional. When we're going through, the first thing we want to do is stop our movement, keep moving. And if for some reason you can't move by yourself, that's when you contact those people that's in your inner circle, your friends, and you lean on them. And then we're not going to negate the power of prayer, right? When we pray and we allow God to do what only he can do, because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And we got to know, even though we're going through a difficult time, he's still right there with us. But it's just so important that we just keep the movement. And when my clients come in, many of them have somebody probably bringing them in. Some of my sessions are on the phone, and they may say, Dr. Scott, I really wanted to get in there to see you, but I could not get out of bed. Matter of fact, I haven't showered in days. And the one thing I tell them is that you're moving now because you picked up that phone and we're on the phone and we're talking. Our movements ain't got to be big steps. Just take some baby steps. And as long as you keep moving, you'll get that momentum to get back in this thing called life. Because when that pain hits, instead of looking at it as one piece of our life, we look at it as our entire life and it's only a piece. But when it hits so hard and I have people that give up, in a breakup, after a breakup, I have so many people that just say, I don't want to live no more because they want the pain to stop. And when you feel like that, you've got to make sure you tap into your friend circle. You've got to make sure you tap into your prayer circle. And sometimes I hear people angry at God because they feel like God is doing this to, to you, and I guarantee you that he's not. But it feels like since everybody else is turning their back on you that he has turned his back on you as well. When my clients come through my door, I allow them, I create a safe place for them. So it's always a whole process. When people come through, they want to jump right in and say, Dr. Scott, heal me. I don't heal anybody. But what I do is I co-pilot with the people that come through my door. They're the pilot and I'm the co-pilot. What I have to do is just try to make sure that they reach for their oxygen mask so they can still breathe and still exist and still have a choice to live. And then many may not understand the dynamics of the pain that one experienced when they're going through a heartbreak. But if you have a history of people coming into your life and you got a history of people leaving and then it happens again, we tend to internalize it and think that it's something that we did. And sometimes we do have areas that we need to fix. I'm not going to negate that. But a lot of times we have a lot of things in our space that we haven't healed from. We tend to allow it to manifest into something bigger that it really should not be. But I allow my clients to have that safe place. 
when they come in, I allow them to tell their story uninterrupted. And I also give them my undivided attention. So if you're not going through a breakup, but you know somebody that is going through a breakup, show up, call, check in. Don't get too in, in, in tune with the details. Girl, what he do? Oh, I ain't never trust him anyway. That's not important. It's really helping them where they are, meet them where they need you to meet them at. The story is not important, but allowing the person that you consider to be your friend to continue writing their story is important because, believe it or not, when you look on the news, you see so many people that want to give up. Most of the people that come into my office that want to give up is because of their connection and friendships or relationships. So um, can you just talk a little bit more about um, just the the process of um, self-care? Like um, what are some ways that people can even begin to dig themselves out of or get themselves out of the bed to even think about doing some things that will take care of themselves? And what does that look like? But then, too, let's define what self-care is. That means someone mm-hmm. taking the steps to take care of themselves, right? So I definitely believe most of the things that I said is geared around self-care, being mindful of my space, being mindful of me not being present for me. But so often, let me just tell you this, so many people, and that's like the buzzword now, self-care. Um, let me get my nails done. Let me get my feet done. But the self-care that I'm talking about is on the inside, right, the internal needs that we have. So being able to date yourself, meaning not being ashamed or feeling shameful of when you wind up going to a restaurant, eating by yourself, getting to know yourself again, right, sitting with yourself, trying to figure out, dang, I was in this relationship for so long that I gave all that I had to this relationship I don't even know the things that I like. Get to know you again. Date yourself. Find out what makes you happy outside of doing something for the person that's no longer there. Do things like journaling. Write your thoughts down. It's almost, it's almost like I'm studying and knowing who I am again, and I call that selfology, right? Get into your own space. And I think, I think what I'm hearing you ask me is how, right? How do we get into that space? When I feel helpless, how do I want to continue to choose to live? And that's why it's so important that your support circle now is built with people that genuinely care about you. I'm not talking about people that you can just party with and laugh with, but when you are down and your friends know, because sometimes when we're down, we don't even know it because we're just in that spiral thing, our spiral place, allowing people to be around you to love on you to help push you when you need to be pushed. But when you find that you're in a dark place and if you feel like you can't get out by yourself, that's why we have professionals like myself, and it's therapy. That's when you need therapy. And the the problem is therapy now is almost like the trend in a sense, but therapy works because what happens is when you can't think for yourself or you can't figure out how to put the pieces back together in your life, that's when you need a professional. But in our community, the African-American community, when we talk about mental health, it's a big stigma around it. I don't want anybody thinking something wrong with me. I don't want anybody think that I'm crazy. At the end of the day, when you're spiraling, yes, it is something wrong with you, but it's not a bad wrong with you. It's just that I need help. It's no different for when you go to the heart doctor, when your blood pressure is all high and you can't get it down. If you break your arm and you go to an orthopedist, it's no different than going to one of those specialists when you're actually going through things and matters of the mind, if that makes sense. I don't have an easy fix for you. I wish I could say, listen, you do one, two, three, four, five, and boom, it's all over. It doesn't work like that. But what I am saying is that make yourself a priority. Study who you are. And also be connected to the vine and being connected with God. It helps you get through those things because when he says that he will never leave you or forsake you, that's truth. I remember when I was going through a breakup and I found it very challenging. I had to lean on what God has told me and believe in it. 
And sometimes when you leave a relationship, you start feeling like there's something wrong with you. And God said that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You got to make sure you go back to what he's saying about you because when in our world we call it cognitive distortions, that your mind gets so distorted and you start thinking about all the negative things about self that you can be misled and misguided. So it's very important that when you are in a good place, think about the things that allow you to stay in that good place. And it's also important, sometimes you just got to take a break. Too often we break up with someone, whether it's an intimate relationship, a platonic relationship, and our next step is we want to just jump back into something. And the thing that we should really jump back into is connecting with ourselves and connecting with our needs. How do we do that? Take time out. Take time away and make yourself the focus. How can I um, do better self-care? Acknowledging and knowing that you are not making yourself a priority. And just start there. I talked about the movement. Just take a little step. Self-caring about how much money I can spend on my outside. For me and what I share with my clients is self-care is really doing like a, a renovation on the inside. So that's good stuff. Can we? Um, can you talk a little bit about the, psycho- the psychology of um, the the correlation um, of our our relationships from our early lifespan as adults? Like how, as adults, you know, our early lifespan relationships, like with our father, or with our mother, mm-hmm. our lack of, our abandonment, how that plays into it. Oh, most definitely. Today, I think that was like the run of the mill and, and what I mean, like clients coming in. So we call it like the family of origin. So I have a session just, that's just cut out for that where we talk about your early memories from childhood to now, right? And so often I have young women or women coming in and they didn't have a relationship with their father. And, you know, sometimes the laugh is, oh, I got daddy issues and we laugh about it. But that's some real stuff, Right. We have grown up through life not having a father figure. And I'm using females and and father relationship for now, but it's also the flip side when we talk about our men. I didn't have a father figure. So since I didn't have a father figure, most of these young ladies don't understand how that dynamic and what that dynamics need to look like in a relationship, right? And when daddy leaves at an early age, we call that we have some abandonment issues. And a lot of times people with abandonment, I didn't say everybody, but many with abandonment issues, it turns into attachment, meaning that when people come into our lives, we want them to stay because so many people have been in and out, in and out, in and out, and we start internalizing as if it's something that we did because when daddy wasn't there, it was like, what did I do to cause daddy to leave and not be there for me? And throughout our life, it start matriculating and showing up in our relationships. Like sometimes women, and again, I'm using women, but this is for both, um, feel like in order for you to stay, I got to make sure I become like a people pleaser. I got to make sure I give you everything because I want you to stay. I don't want you to leave. I invested so much in this relationship. I'm good for you. Why Why can't you see that I'm good for you? And we're trying to do so much to keep the person, and then when they leave, it's now that trend, that cycle, and it just keeps manifesting itself. And and, I, and when I think about my day-to-day sitting with clients, I literally have people crying on the couch, like, why won't people just stay for me? Why can't somebody just show up for me? And too often when we give them everything and we neglect ourselves, so, so often we neglect ourselves in relationships, we show up for everybody else, but guess what we fail to do? Show up for ourselves. So those the history and the cycle of how we were brought up manifests itself in our relationship. And so often we're unaware. We're like, I don't understand why I keep going after men that are um, not available or going after men that pretty much give me the scraps off the table and I accept it, right? If we go back into our family of origin, if we go back into like our family timeline, we can see, wow, that's how I seen daddy treat mom, or that's how I seen um, whoever the prominent figures in our lives at that time treat another person, then it starts becoming part of our pattern. But the beauty is when the saying says this, when we know better, we do better, 
And when there's awareness, we become awakened, right? And we become awakened enough to realize that we have to challenge ourselves to change. So don't underestimate your past. So often, that's the difference between um, coaching and counseling. Counseling is we start digging into, like, that whole family tree stuff and really trying to figure out how that stuff impacts who you are now and how it shows up in, in our patterns of life. And it's just so important that we deal with it. And so often, you know what, many do not want to open that box. They want to keep it locked. But it's healing in that if it's done properly. And, again, when we talk about the whole therapeutic process, it allows us to go down that that, um, that family history with someone that is trained to, um, to give you tools and interventions to help you move forward differently. I hope I answered your question. Yes, yes, yes. So can you speak to the health risks of um, of negative emotions? Like what, how can, you know, having a, holding on to negative emotions affect our health? Oh, we talk, we talk about stress and, 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 you know, do me a huge favor. When you, when you say negative emotions, I need you to explain that a little bit um, so I can make sure I hit that question because that's like so broad. What, what exactly are so, you asking? So I will. So I will use myself as an example. So everything that you've spoken about is is me, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the loss of my dad suddenly, then the loss of a relationship, and going into that space of feeling ashamed, feeling lost, feeling lonely, right? And mm-hmm. and really just going into a space of just you know, woe is me. Like why is this happening to me? You know, like mm-hmm. you said, feeling like God forgot me and just not wanting to get out of bed but know that you have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, that, just just feeling despondent and discouraged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, here's the thing. That's, when you stomp your toe, right, and I'm not minimizing anybody's pain, when I stomp my toe, trust me, tears are coming out my eyes. I'm crying like I'm two, right? The same thing when we get that pain to our heart, right? It takes our breath away. And when I when we it takes our breath away, it's like we need immediate heart CPR. Like we need some CPR. We need someone to come in and kind of bring us back to life. But the the problem is, most of us are looked at as the strength of our circle that we run in. So when we need that CPR, people are looking at us like, "Girl, you gonna get you gonna get yourself back together. You always bounce back." Mm-hmm. Not realizing that was like the last breath that somebody has snatched from you. You're dealing with a loss of a, of a parental figure. Now you're dealing with a loss of a loved one. You're like, Lord, how much more are you going to take from me, right? It's almost like a Job experience, right? And it feels mm-hmm. like all our hope is gone and we have no reason to move. And what happens is, when we become despondent like that, and, and I, I'll even speak, sometimes people think because I do this that I ain't never feel pain. Trust and believe I have lost many people. I have lost loved ones to death. I have lost relationships. And I have lost some relationships that I thought we was going to ride and die until Christ took us home, right? And to sit in that space is hard. And it's almost like sometimes we don't know that we're in it. But I'm going to tell you this. When you are in it, that's the best time to really take out some pen and paper. And if you can't write, because I remember times when I was in a pain so I was in a painful place that hurt so much that I couldn't read nothing, I couldn't write nothing. All I needed, all I could do was just pick up the phone and talk to somebody. Right, that was the beginning of my process, and I realized some of the people that I talked to were people I shouldn't have been talking to. Right. But for whatever reason, I would pray. I was like, God, listen, I'm praying that the person that I reach out to has the matter of my feelings in my heart and best interest, but I need to get this out, right? So I know you got to find that outlet. And right now, if you're not in that space, you got to think about whenever I'm down, what do I need to allow me? What is my therapy to help me bounce back? And my therapy is music, right? Whenever mm-hmm. I'm down... I have a playlist, and I have a playlist that's called Me and God. And I don't know if anybody ever been in a place that sometimes you ain't even want to hear from God, but I would force myself to push that button because sometimes our pity parties are comfortable. 
We already know what pain feels like. Some of us probably don't even know what it feels like to get out of the painful spot, right? But I'm going to tell you this. When I played my playlist, and this may not work for everybody, but it sure enough works for me. I allowed my playlist to consist of music that met me right where I was at. You know, sometimes we want to hear the blues. And my, my playlist may be mixed. It would be with my gospel music, and it will also be with some music that I consider healing that was also secular music, right? And I would play that music, but each song kept elevating and shifting me out of my mood. But so often when we're in a painful place, I don't know, I know back in my day, and I'm dating myself, I think about people like Phyllis Hyman, and I think about Day. I think about all those those songs. And if you listen to these lyrics of the song, a lot of people are singing about broken hearts, right? And we can relate to it, but we can't stay there because if we keep listening to that that that, that music that keep us there, it's not going to help motivate us and get us to the place called healing. So when you're in that space, you got to ask yourself, what's my tool to help push me? Have you ever had clients that have experienced physical ailments of physical health like um, based because of what they were going through? When you say physical health, meaning like they got extremely sick? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know why? Because, and here's the thing, when my clients get to that space, a lot of them are struggling from general anxiety disorder or they may wind up being majorly depressed, right? Because whatever relationship that they're in, they put a lot into it. And when we're talking about a heart, when we're talking about a heartbreak, right, the heart doesn't actually break, but the feelings and emotions that we're having contributes to how it functions, right? It may start being faster. It may just start doing things differently than what it's normally doing because we have this thing called stress. And believe it or not, and, you know, when people say, oh, I'm stressed, stress can take you out of here. Our blood pressure go up. Our heartbeat start moving faster. We even breathe differently, right? And if we're not careful, we'll wind up going into a full-blown panic attack. And when you go into full-blown panic attacks, it just causes everything to kind of not be harmonized as if we were in our normal state. So most definitely, and when people come in like that, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm very clear on my lane. I refer them back to their primary care physicians where they get a whole workup, which may require blood work, a physical, whatever the doctor feels is needed to see exactly where the client is so we can make sure that they're okay in their mental state, but also that their body is functioning in the way that it needs to. And sometimes it may require some medication. And I know, excuse me, when I say medication, people are like, I'm not taking no medication. Let me just tell you this, and I'm not a pill pusher, but if we need something to stabilize us until until we can get back on that road of recovery that we need, then you have to do what you need to do, because if not, it can just make things worse. So what is it that we need to know that we don't know about toxic relationship dangers? So you asked ask me, what is it that you need to know that you don't know? Yeah, what is it that we need to know that we may not know about, just like the, the dangers of like toxic relationships? Well, you know what, first of all, I guess it, it becomes a, a word game in defining what's toxic is and what toxic Mm -hmm. look like, right, and really defining Mm -hmm. what that means. But there's warning signs in relationships, right, and so often we ignore them. And they may be different for for you and whoever else is listening on the line, but Mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship and you see some signs of abuse, right, don't, like, someone's um, verbally abusive, don't make excuses for stuff. If you see some things that are making you feel um, that it's not right, acknowledge that. If someone is talking to you in a tone that's not right, if someone hits you and you know that's not right, don't make excuses for other people. And the problem is excuses excuse us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. But so often many I have found will deal with a, a relationship that's not healthy rather than being alone, right? And then what mm-hmm. happens is, Many are in relationships with broken hearts, but they don't want to be by themselves, so they deal with it, right? So you have to really 
sit down and, and really look at, like, what's toxic. I know it's a certain way that I like to be treated. And I know there's, I have certain expectations. And too often we lower our expectations and our standards because, again, we don't want to be alone. And loneliness to many is a beast. They rather have a body than not have anybody. So when you talk about what toxic is, I mean, you really have to define what you want your relationship to look like. And I have defined that I will not have anyone put their hands on me. I will not have anybody treat me in a certain way. And to be honest, I don't have the, um, the luxury of saying, well, my father showed me this is how somebody is supposed to treat anyone because I didn't grow up with my father. But I know one thing, I know what doesn't feel good, and I know what's not right. And we really have to set a standard for ourselves. And too often we don't have standards because we don't want to be by ourselves. So, um, Dr. Scott, I'm just going to take a minute just for anyone that just joined to just introduce myself. I'm um, Theodora Carter, and I'm facilitating a conversation with Dr. Tina Scott, who is a psychotherapist and is um, talking to us about heartbreak and um, losses and the different strategies um, to heal from heartbreak and a loss. Um, so for anyone joining us, that's who we are. And, and just to share with everyone, um, I gave an example of something I went through, and honestly, everything that um, Dr. Tina Scott described is what I went through to get me to a place of healing, right, where I'm still healing, but at least get me in a better state. So I um, just wanted to kind of level set for those of you who may have just come in. So, um, Dr. Scott, you know, can I ask question. you something? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What yes. is healing to you? What is healing to you? Because so often so, people have this false um, pretense of what healing is. Like healing is pain free, but what is what is healing to you? So healing for me is um, what 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 it was for me, and what made me make the decision to seek therapy um, is because I wanted to be whole and I wanted to heal differently, and I wanted to. Yeah really take the time to get to figure out who I am there and, we go. and and why I accepted some of the things that I did probably accept in um, relationships and why I would sacrifice, right, things um, in trying to support someone else. So for me, mm-hmm. healing was about trying to be whole, right? There so we trying go. to be whole, man, trying to figure out who I was and exactly um why I was enough. Here we go. And you know why I asked you that? Because when people listen to us, right, we we, we say some some awesome things, but I, I, I and, and what you said is so on point. Everybody listening, define what healing is to you. Because you know where you are right now and you know where you desire to be. So wherever you desire to be, that's your healing, right? And you really got to process where you are. And we may be in different stages, different phases in our grieving process. But take a minute to figure out where you are right now. What is keeping you down? What is pulling on you? And then ask yourself, why am I allowing this to happen? And I trust and believe light bulbs will start coming on. And don't just ask yourself one why. Stick with it. Get some paper. Get some pen, pen and paper out. And really take time to study and know yourself and trust and believe you will start seeing that healing process. So I'm sorry, I just, I just wanted to ask you that question because you were so um, transparent and brave enough to share some of the things that you went through. And I'm sure it's people on this phone that have similarities that are feeling the same way. And they're like, I really don't know what it is to heal. I just want to feel better. So I have a um I have a question that came in for us via email um that I I'm going to um read and have you respond um to Okay. So the the question says good evening. I have a question. How do you deal with ongoing thoughts about your ex? It's been 6 months and I keep thinking of memories or conversations we've had we have had. The thing is I don't even want him but can't wrap my head around what he did to me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's human nature to go back and 
and think about the good times because when you first started out, it was great. And most of the time, people send their representative, right? And then when you spend time with them for a period of time, the real us come out. And when you find yourself in that place that you're stuck and you just keep thinking about the good times, the greatness, because that's normally what happens when you break up, oh, my God, that song came on, I remember this. But then you got to ask yourself, why did I leave? Why wasn't this good? And remind yourself the reason that you had to make your exit strategy, right? The reason why you could not stay. I'm sure you wanted to stay, but there were a lot of reasons that came up that you needed to leave. And then when you're thinking about, oh, my God, the times were so good, ask yourself, am I being 100% honest with myself? Am I really connecting with, with my experience in this situation? Because most of the time when we're alone and things aren't, as um, I don't want to say smooth, but are different for us, um, we tend to say, well, you know what, that wasn't so bad. And I'm not saying that your relationship, the person that asked the question, him hitting me wasn't so bad. Him staying out all night wasn't so bad. But when we were in it, it was bad. It was ripping us apart. So we got to remember why we felt the need to actually um, let it go. Okay. So I'm going to open the line. Um, for some questions. Um, If anyone has a question, um, if you star six, um, we will be able to take your questions and we'll try to do it in an orderly fashion. So um, if anyone has a question, please star six. So, Dr. Scott, while we wait, just if anyone has a question, um, when when should someone seek therapy? So you don't have to be in crisis mode to seek therapy. Um, when you realize you're on a journey and you find it difficult to, to, to um, continue or process things, you know, talking to your girlfriends are, is great, but a lot of times when we get stuck and we're in a rough spot, we need a, we need professional help. So when you find yourself being challenged and you feel like you're now like in this box that you can't get out of or you just really need some tools because you ask a lot of questions about like how, um, what should our next step be, what does these stages look like. When you're asking questions and you really can't come up with answers, and, again, you don't have to be in crisis. It's just that I really don't know. Seek therapy. And, you know, when you go into therapy, and let's just say your first experience isn't the best, then maybe that counselor wasn't the best match for you. I know my style of therapy isn't for everyone. So that's why I make sure I have a network of clinicians that I can refer people that come in to see me to someone that could probably be a better fit for them, right? But therapy works. And it's just you have to believe in the process. And allow yourself to be authentic because too many of us, we, we have our mask on. And many try to bring that mask in when they come to therapy. My job is not to judge you. My job is not to shame you. My job is to actually assist you on this, on this journey called life, and that's to help you. So if someone was looking to work with you, um, how would they get in touch with you? How would they uh, even get a referral from you if you weren't, if you're not in that area? So what what they can do is just call me. Um, they can call my office. My staff or myself will respond to their call. And if I don't have availability for you, or let's just say you live, let's just say New York, New Jersey, whatever, I will provide you with resources to assist you with making that connection with your um, with a therapist. A lot of clinicians, therapists, counselors, however you want to categorize us, we do um, virtual counseling as well. So there's there's resources, and I know what I'm hearing is many people are saying there's no counselors that look like me. Trust and believe. It's a lot of us out here. I just think sometimes we're just not looking in the right places because we don't know. So reaching out to a therapist, whether it's myself or someone else, um, we can actually make those connections for you. But if you're trying to reach out to me, you can call my office directly. I don't know. I'm not trying to 
um, do a commercial here, but if you want me to change, um, exchange my number, put my number out there, I'd be more than happy to if anyone wanted to call Do you me. have a website? Do you have a website? I do. I sure do. Just look up Dr. Tina Scott and my drtinascottltc.com. You'll go right to my website, and you'll get all my information. You'll see a little bit more about me, and um, you can go from there. Also, my practice is no longer um, – individual practice, I have a group practice now because the need is so high that I get a lot of calls on a daily basis of people that just want to be, and I'm going to use your word, right, made whole. They want to be healed. They need help with the healing process. So if by chance you need to reach out, and I know many people, that's not something that people come off of mute and be like, hey, I want to be healed. That's something that's like a personal experience. So if that is the case, don't hesitate to call me. And you don't have to just call me for my services. Call me if you just need help, and I'll do my very best to help you and refer you to the help that you need. Okay, so I'm going to just um, ask again if anyone has questions for Dr. Tina Scott. Um, if you start six, you'll be able to ask any questions of Dr. Scott that you may have. Um, mm-hmm. about a topic which is related to, um, you know, loss, heartbreak, loss of a loved one, to death, Hello. end of a relationship. A Hello. Yes, I have a question. My name is Sharon, and I want to ask about um, how can we as women uh, protect ourselves who have good, strong boundaries when it comes to social media I find that a lot of times I have men contacting me on social media and they start out being perfect gentlemen, you know, asking, hi, how are you? God bless you. Have a nice day. And at the end of the day, it always comes down to sex. And it just seems like um, social media has become a vehicle for people to connecting. And I know in some cases it can be a good thing because I do know of two people who actually met on a dating website and got married. But what I'm finding, and I don't know if it's a vibe that I'm putting out there or if I am not responding properly when people cross my boundary, but how can I as a woman make sure that I'm um, have setting the right expectations, um, presenting myself in a way that I would be respected and valued and appreciated, and that men don't come at me right out of the box looking for some kind of sexual hookup or a cuddle buddy because that is not what I'm interested in. Mm, That's a good point, and it's so prevalent. So here's the thing, and hopefully I answer your question. Know thyself, right? And what I mean by that is when I say know thyself, know how you are projecting yourself, right? Because sometimes we have an ideal of how we want to project ourselves, but that's not the real deal, right? And by no means am I saying this for you, but we got to make sure how we're presenting on social media, right? And if we're presenting right, right, and someone comes to us and they and they violate our core beliefs of self, right, we need to make sure that we set and keep our boundaries and not look at it like, oh, well, they didn't really mean that and still entertain it. Set your boundaries. Be firm. Like, this this is not this is not who I am and, and, and I feel as if that I'm being disrespected and articulate that, right? Articulate how you feel and make sure that you just don't settle for it thinking that, oh, that'll go away once they get to really know the real me because they're actually testing you, right? And so often people have um I, I guess I want to say ill intentions because their motivation may not be to be in a relationship, but their motivation is to hook up. That's why if you on certain dating sites and in different places to meet people, be very clear on what you expect. And if for some reasons your expectations aren't being met on those sites or even on social media, you got to be very careful of what you entertain because if you entertain something, it could be misleading. And if you feel like, oh my gosh, when I like I I had um one of my interns asked me the same question. She was like, Dr. Scott, how come people are coming up to me and it's, it's more sexual, right? I said, pull up, your, pull up your social media. So when she pulled up her social media, and, again, by no means am I trying to shame or pinpoint anyone, but when I pulled up her social media, before I could see her face, I saw her breasts, right? 
So we got to be very careful about how we project ourselves on social media and how we project ourselves and carry ourselves, period. So when we know that self, right, we know if we have some areas of improvement. And if we have areas of improvement, just work those things out. When I, when I sat and, and talked with my intern, she worked those things out. And I'm not saying that she don't have struggles, and I'm not saying that that's everybody's situation because we can probably have a turtleneck on and somebody is still approaching us um, in a disrespectful way. We don't have to entertain it. I don't, I don't give my energy to anyone if it can't grow. And I'm not trying to, to have someone approach me that way, and I'm married. I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm not putting my energy out there for someone that's it's not worth it. We can't control how people um, respond to us, but we can control how we respond to them. We got we to gotta protect our energy, and we got to protect our space. Okay, I think we had another question. Um, the person's phone number, the last four digits, was 5486. That is me. Okay, my name is Denise, and I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking on what you said. I think I need therapy, and the reason is is because my mom passed away in January of 2018, and I don't feel as though... I have really grieved. I'm just basically just going through life like everything's perfectly normal. And then I I don't know if I'm comparing myself to other people, like how I should grieve, because I'm basically numb and I basically, I miss my mom, but I really don't feel anything. I'm just Mm -hmm. numb. And here, and here's the thing. Um, so let 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 me just define grief, and then I'm gonna go into my my feedback. Right, grief is a natural, normal response to a loss. Right, when you love somebody and you care for somebody, there are stages that one is five, there is another one is seven. When you look on the internet, it can be a whole bunch of different combinations. That numbness is what you're what you're feeling is normal. Right, the problem is. Sometimes when it lasts for a period of time, it becomes complicated. And when we're going through life, because a lot of us wear masks, because we realize that when people say, how are you feeling, they don't stick around to hear the answer. So we don't even feel like we have that, that outlet to, to reach out and touch somebody so they can actually help me get through what I'm going through. Because believe it or not, excuse me, everybody that's on this phone, even if you deny it, it's fine. It's going through something. So sometimes when we're going through something, we're both all at our melting point at the same time that we can't even see that my sister that I love dearly needs some help. So you answered your question because you're not functioning at your normal level of capacity, right? So you are aware. So I'm going to challenge you to take that step and get therapy because what happens is we become so despondent at a certain point that we become at our lowest and we stay there and we're not in the in the space of realization. I just commend you for being in that space knowing that I'm not myself and I am hurting because my mother is not here. I want my mom to be here, but she's not. And I don't know how to put the pieces together on my own. That's when therapy comes in to help you. And and to be perfectly honest with you, everyone on this, I don't have no magic wand to say, here's my magic wand of healing. That's why when I say I know therapy works, it works. Get yourself into therapy because it will help you. It will help you identify what stage of grief you're in because it's important that you know the stage of grief that you're in so we can actually begin the work of therapy. So often we try to put those pieces together by ourselves. And I'm not saying that you can't, but when you see that you're trying and you're still on that same piece and there's no progress and you're regressing, please reach out and get some help. And it's not like I'm trying to um, promote therapy from a financial perspective. I am promoting therapy because when we talk about becoming whole and being whole, God has put most of us, I know he has put me um, in this space to be able to help as many people as I can. And that is the one reason after a busy day 
at 8 o'clock at night that I'm sitting here talking to all of you on the phone because I know it's somebody on this phone that I will never, ever get to see your face. But I know God put something in me to share with you. And I know God has you on this phone to let you know don't give up and don't lose hope. And if you need help, reach out. Pick up that phone and call someone so we can actually help you get through this thing. Okay, thank you. So, Dr. Scott, before we end, do you have any final um, words on how someone can seek therapy, how they can reach you or find another therapist um, if they need um, assistance and need to go into therapy? Sure, sure. So if you want to reach out to me, my phone number is 215-519-2531. I know I have a website, but sometimes when we're in a place of pain and we got to have all these extra clicks, it can become a pain, right? So I'm just trying to make it easy access for you. There are a whole lot of websites like Psychology Today, Good Therapy, um, Therapy for Black Girls. The list can go on, right? If you call me, I guarantee you, I would connect you with someone that I know personally. If I don't know them personally, before I give you their phone number, I will call them and ask them about certain things that one clinician can say to another clinician to see if it's a good fit. But when you go through those doors and if you feel that it's not a good fit, don't give up there because every every therapist's approach may not be your approach. My approach, I'm very solution-focused. I do cognitive behavior therapy. How does What does cognitive behavior therapy look like? That is, I challenge your thoughts so we can change your behavior. And when we go back to the scripture, the Bible says, what a man thinketh, so is he, right? So I tie them two together because whatever I do, even though in the room I can't really talk about my religious beliefs unless you welcome it in, but whatever I do, I try to make sure it's scripture-based, even if I ain't sharing a scripture with you, I know because I know who purposed me and called me to do what it is that I need to do. So if you are in need of help, and if you have called a bunch of therapists and you have not had success, call me, and I will do my very best to assist you on this journey called healing. I thank Dr. Scott, thank you so much. Uh, we truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this very important topic. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping... Ladies, all of you, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's on the line, I'm hoping that there was something that was said or shared that helped you in whatever you are going through. Um, And please do not hesitate to reach out to Dr. Scott or even to go on to any of the websites she mentioned, Psychology Today, to find a therapist. What's the number again? You need someone. Dr. Scott, can you get your number? Sure, it's 215-519-2531. And, of course, my website, drtinascottlpc.com. And I know we fancy with social media handles and all that stuff. I'm still old school, so I'm Facebook, but I do have an Instagram account that's managed by my interns. But my direct contact to me is what I just shared with you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I just appreciate you guys for um, setting up this platform. It's necessary and it's needed. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so ladies um, and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. This was our um, second installment, and before we... um, get off of the line, I would like to end in prayer um, and just close out this time just thanking God for just allowing us to all be on this call. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God. I thank you for just the opportunity to come into your presence, dear God. I thank you, Father God, for Dr. Tina Scott and for her willingness to come on and to share and to um, guide all of us, dear God, in the direction as it relates to heartbreak and healing from loss and relationship loss and death and divorce, Father God. We thank you, dear God, that she is 
using her purpose, Father God, that you have put her here on life, dear God, to help others. We thank you, dear God, that you are a healer, Father God, because your word says in Psalm 147 that you heal the brokenhearted, dear God, and that you bind up our wounds, Father God. So we thank you, dear God, for being a healer, dear God. We thank you, dear God, for making um, available to us, Father God, therapists, dear God, that can help us, Father God. While we know that we can come to you in prayer, dear God, and that you are a healer, Father God, and that you can heal us, Father God, and you can make us better, Father God. We know, dear God, that you have placed therapists on this earth, Father God, to give us that additional push and that additional help that we may need, Father God. So, Lord God, I pray, dear God, for the one that may be on this line right now, Father God, that is struggling, dear God, the one that's on this line, dear God, that is still grieving the loss of a loved one, Father God, or grieving the loss of a relationship, Father God. I ask you to touch them right now, Father God. I ask you to give them peace, Father God. I ask you, dear God, to just surround them, dear God, with earthly angels, dear God, that will help to lift them up, Father God, and to guide them, Father God. I ask you, dear God, to give them, dear God, the the ability, Father God, and the capacity, Father God, to speak their truth, Father God, and say, yes, I am hurting. Yes, I am not okay. Yes, I need help. And most of all, Father God, to not be ashamed, dear God, to to seek the help of a therapist, Father God. Lord, I ask you, dear God, to just surround the one that's on this line, Father God, that is just trying to hold it together, Father God, with angels, Father God, on earth that will just hold them up, Father God, and that will guide them, Father God, to get the help that they need, Lord God. So, Father God, we thank you, Father God. We thank you for Dr. Tina Scott. We thank you, dear God, for this platform. Dear God, we thank you for girlfriends pray, Father God, and just allowing us, Father God, to to have this platform to be able to talk about um, just emotional issues, Father God, and heartbreak, Father God, and healing, Father God, and mental illness, Father God. We thank you, dear God, for just continuing to guide us and to lead us, Father God. And, Lord God, we will forever, Father God, give you all the honor and the glory and the praise that you are so worthy of, dear God. So, Lord, just just continue, Father God, to just cover us, Father God, with your, with your peace, Father God. And, Lord God, I just pray, dear God, I just pray, I just lift up that one, Father God, that is still struggling, Father God, and I just pray, Father God, that they will seek the help that they need, Father God, so that they can begin to heal, Father God, and to behold, Father God. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen.